It's another episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. Welcome back to another special bonus episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. I am Lauren. <laughs> you are? Since when? And, and I am Scott, apparently, for the day. <laughs> All right, guys, it's been a long week. Right. It's been a long day, guys. <laughs> right, so he's Scott, I'm Lauren. Um... Yeah, but yeah, uh, so this weekend we were in... Much sleep this weekend, guys. Because uh, Lauren and I, uh, we live in separate towns. But um, this weekend we actually had the chance to be... To, uh, we got together over the weekend, and that was uh, really neat. And we had we took the opportunity while we were together to go see The Dark Knight Rises. And we thought that we should uh, go ahead and just record a special episode, kind of uh, dissecting it, kind of analyzing it the way we do. Uh, we thought that would be kind of fun. Um, since we are an, uh, an analytical podcast, um, we are going to be getting into some spoilers and there are some, definitely some things in the third act of this film that are better experienced without knowing about it. Um, so we're going to, if you're familiar with our podcast, uh, we have, we reviewed the Prometheus, uh, film about a month ago or so, and we're going to structure this the same way in which we're going to kind of give you our, kind of our two cents here at the very beginning, unspoilery, just you know what we think about it whether you should go see it or not and then after that we will uh we'll get into it and really kind of analyze this film and kind of pick it apart a little bit and see what worked see what didn't you know the good the bad the ugly so lauren uh what did you think okay uh well let me let me preface by stating um as we get into this scott is a comic book person and i am not a comic book person so this is where we are coming from on this so i I think that's very important to keep in mind if you are one of one of those two camps, you know, you have somebody to root for in this fight. Um, not that we're going to fight about it. Um, I'm going to say that out of the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, this is the second best of them. I would say um, The Dark Knight was definitely the best um, of them. I think it works really well as a standalone movie and also fits into the scope of the trilogy very nicely. Um, and this movie. I think has a lot of the strengths of the series that have built up over time. I think some of the some of the things they learned on, on Dark Knight play well in here, but I think it also has some of the flaws of the first movie. Um, and um, without getting into any spoilers or anything, it, 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 some of the story structure, some of the things it depends on, some of the motivation of characters, and... Um, um, some of the pacing of the movie, I think, all all have a few issues, much more so than the second movie did. Um, that said, it's still it's still probably in my top of superhero movies because it creates a world that I actually like better than most superhero type of films. And um, I don't know. I, to me, to me, Batman works better than most superhero type movies do, and so. I'm still a fan of this trilogy, much more so than most most others. So I, I'm going to give it a pretty decent score. It's not it's not my favorite of the Batman movies, but it's it's definitely better than Batman Begins. I think it's a much stronger film than that was. Um, so if you like that one, you're more than likely going to like this one. Um, it's maybe a little darker, a little bit more violent. Um, uh, maybe a lot more violent than than Batman Begins was, um, but yeah, I think it's definitely, a much, it's definitely more violent than the first one. Yeah, but it's I think it's also a much stronger. I think the characters are stronger. I think I think everything is stronger about the movie as well. So that's kind of where I'm coming at it from. It's 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 a flawed but decent movie. Mm-hmm. Um, um, kind of looking at it objectively, I think. Honestly, um, as a comic book fan, I completely agree with what you just said. When it comes right down to it. Um, the Dark Knight is probably it's the closest thing to a perfect film. I mean, it's it's really just amazing. Like every scene, it's it's in that same camp as Back to the Future, where every single scene progresses the story or exposes more of the world. This movie is not that, but I think it's pretty great. I, I immensely enjoyed myself. I did have a couple. There was uh, there was a couple moments in the film where I kind of went, "Wait, what now?" <laughs> you know, uh, what? Okay, I, okay. You know, it did have a couple of those moments where the Dark Knight did not have that. Um, there's a couple moments very early in the film where you go, "Oh, I know where Act Three is taking place." You know, that they, there's some very clear, you know, 
foreshadowing, I guess you could call it. Some there's, there's some moments where you really there's very little, I guess you could say, mystery to the plot. There's nothing that really super takes you by surprise. Um, whereas The Dark Knight, I honestly didn't know what was going to happen, and the Joker was so phenomenal that he was a truly terrifying villain that you did not know what to expect from him. You didn't know what he was going to do to people, and you don't quite get that in this. And so, to me, there maybe it's unfair to say it suffers from comparison, but you can't help it. This is the conclusion to a trilogy. This is the next chapter in this story. So I immensely enjoyed myself. Um, no, I agree though. It is you know the second best of the three. <laughs> you know, um, it might be the second best Batman film we've seen. Um, period. But, uh, I mean, again, I immensely enjoyed it. I have a few little quibbles, which we'll get into here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I would say go see it. And I know a lot of this film was shot in IMAX and Christopher Nolan knows how to frame a shot. And there's some really great cinematography in this. It's a movie I would recommend seeing on the big screen. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my two cents unspoilery. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I guess, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, uh, you kind of know where we're standing on it. What we do on the podcast, we're here, you know, we do this with all of our movies. Uh, we start going in and analyzing them and picking them mm. apart and stuff. That's what we're going to do now, and that is going to start getting into spoiler territory. So yeah. if you haven't seen yet, uh, maybe pause the podcast until you get to back from seeing it or something. Last, sorry, I just thought I completely exactly what Lauren just said and before we get into it the last thing I want to say to anybody who's still listening is I would highly recommend if you do see it if it's been a while since you've seen the first two see the first two then go see this third one because this is definitely a trilogy this is it's definitely a through there's a story that began in the first one that has its payoffs in this film you know this would not be the first this would not be the best option for a first Batman movie I've ever seen you know it'd be like watching Return of the King and going why are these guys on the mountain with the crazy ugly person (laughs) <laughs> you know, right. so yeah, yeah. We we'll see the other two first, then go see this one with those fresh in your mind, if that's at all possible, and if you're that interested in dedicating nine hours of your life to this universe. Right. Um, yeah, uh, completely agree. And if you're not dedicated to that much time, uh, probably start with the middle movie. Yeah, you don't have to see the first one, but you probably should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Um, Do it, Lauren. Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, spoilers abound from here. So, uh, you are warned. Don't get angry at us from here on out. <laughs> um, all right. So, where should we begin? Um, you know, before, uh, for me, just because, before we get into the movie, I think we kind of have to touch on the shooting. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't feel... Uh, at this point, I mean, uh, you know, I think that that we're at a point with this movie where it's it's very sad that we have to include this in the review of it. But at but the it, same time, it it, it, has, it has become part of the story of this movie. Yeah, just as just as Heath, Heath Ledger dying became a part of the second movie, this yeah. is part of the story of this movie now. So I don't yeah. think that we can. Um, separate the two really for those um, of you who are listening to this you know if you're listening to this the week that we released this which would be the week right after it uh the movie debuted you know exactly what we're talking about but for those of you listening to us in the far-flung future we have obviously have no idea how big or how small this is going to end up impacting the entire country or even maybe the world um and so just to briefly touch on it um the night that this movie had its midnight showings, the Thursday, last Thursday night in Aurora, uh, Colorado, um, 15 minutes into the film, a, a masked gunman basically broke into a movie theater and began shooting into the crowd. Um, right. At this point, we understand about 70 people were killed or injured. I think there's only 12 people who were specifically killed. killed. Um, but they're saying right now, 70 is the number of people who were in some way injured injured or wounded so wherever you are right now wherever you're hearing this um take a moment and you know think of them pray for the families because these are these are wounds that will never heal i know families have been completely altered and shattered and and uh yeah it's 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 hard to wrap your mind around it's like it's like you're in the face of such just evil you know you just you don't understand why stuff like this happens and then we go into this movie, you know, yeah. a day later. Yeah, um, you know, I, I just on that purpose, you know, on, on that note, I, you know, this is definitely an incredibly senseless sort of act, and and, um, you know, we don't know what it's going to do into the future here. Uh, you know, if you're listening to this later, you'll you'll have a better idea. But you know, for now, 
for me, this is something that has impacted me strangely very closely. There, there have been other shooting stories, and and while they, you know, none of them are good and none of them affect you. I mean, this is the, this is the medium in which Scott and I work, and yeah. this is, you know, this is kind of our our home territory. And so, for me at least, yeah, this like, feels very close at home, and and you know, very threatening to to without, the things I'm interested in and the things that I want to do. Without sounding too perverse, I mean, the the theater is a bit of a, it's a sanctuary. You know, it's like you go in there and it's just like it is a it is a calm from the storm. You walk into that it's, dark it's a, it should be an escape. It's an escape and it's safe. You know, you mm-hmm. can go in there and you you're with other people who are mm-hmm. th- joining you to go on the same journey that you're on and nobody knows how it's going to yeah. end, but you're there and you've paid your money. Yeah. Whether and, it's something to make you laugh, whether it's something to scare you. Yeah, you know, whatever or, it is. Something yeah. just huge high fantasy, something just to take you someplace that you can't go in your normal life or to make you think things that you normally wouldn't think. And to have someone just invade that. Mm-hmm in such a callous and you know and we honestly we don't know this guy's story yet I and mean, that's where lauren and i are as we record this he's in jail they caught you know he they caught the guy in the parking lot um but we really don't we know his name but that's really kind of it there's very little information at this time so again you the listener you may know a whole lot more at this time and we're just kind of sitting here going why <laughs> you know and man uh it it made some of this some of the sequences in this film really unsettling. Yeah, that that Almost, was that was really my my first reaction to this movie. Kind of overall was just in light of what had happened. Um, there are several sequences. I mean, they could only be be described as sequences of terrorism, basically yeah, in yeah. the movie. Um, you know, where Bane goes into the crowded stock exchange and just starts firing into the crowd just or indiscriminately shooting people and. Mm-hmm. And it just felt very... Um, I, I was horribly unsettled by it. It's not the most yeah. violence I've ever seen on screen. You know, no. It's not, it's not Braveheart. It's not you know, Kingdom of Heaven or something where people gain hacked apart with swords. But it was more disturbing to me. And I honestly think it's more disturbing just honestly in the wake of it because mm-hmm. I think it's so easy to be desensitized and to forget that stuff like this actually happens or, or can happen in the most random moments of your life. And so, because, I mean, the sequence, it, I mean, it's really, it's almost unremarkable in that mm-hmm. it happens in, I don't know how many action films we see a terrorist walk into some place and just start shooting at the ceiling and, you know, shoot the shoot the guard, walk past that guy, mm-hmm. shoot this person. I mean, it's just done so... Uh, casually. Callous, casually and callously, yeah. yeah. That it's like, if this hadn't happened, that scene might not have had the impact that it did, but really, that moment in our history, it... it it made a lot of the violence in this movie, especially the violence surrounding Bane and his organization, really stand out and really, it made the film almost feel tactless, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and like inappropriate, um, which is strange because, I mean, this is a movie that, I mean, it's not strange, but it's like, it's, it's really no fault to the filmmakers in that they made the movie, obviously, far before this happened. And right. it's, not, it's not like they decided to release it in that situation, but I don't know, it almost... It, I don't know if a movie studio would do this, but it almost made me wonder if they shouldn't pull the film for a little while, you know? And I, I don't know. I don't know if there would ever be a good time then to re-release it. Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of like, man, I don't know. Should should I be sitting here watching this? Yeah, I was I was very uncomfortable. Um, and, and that was kind of the, the thinking. Like, I'm, I, I really was thinking, like, is it really appropriate for me to be seeing this now after this? I, I, I don't know. I mean, it... It probably sounds strange to everyone else. I mean, maybe this yeah. is something only Scott and I experienced. But this is definitely what I was thinking, um, you know, about halfway through the movie. I'm just like, I I really don't know if I should be in this theater watching this movie right now. Because it actually seems to be, yeah, in some ways, almost glorifying or, or yeah, reliving that, that, uh, and that it's experience. So, it's so weird, too, because I, I have kind of been a defender of films to certain people i i grew up in kind of a um sheltered and sometimes reactionary uh community Mm -hmm. that you know like when columbine happened back in 1999 um immediately as soon as they found out that who these two young men were who went into the school and and shot people they started going well what movies were they watching what music were they listening to what video video games games were they playing Mm -hmm. you know and i go come on guys hold on we can't blame movies and music and video games because if honestly if they were a problem I feel like you would have more of this happening Mm -hmm. we have this one sad crazy person who decided to do this 
and I don't think we can honestly blame Christopher Nolan or no. or well, this stuff. You know, well, and that was that was the flip side of my thinking, though. I was like, you know, I kind of also feel like if I left this movie, if I didn't go see it opening weekend, or if I didn't, like, in some ways, that allows, you know, the evil to win in some ways. You know, I, it, we should be allowed to, to have those sorts of imagery and that sort of storytelling as well. It's, you know, I think there is. I think there is importance to showing how evil things are or how bad things can be. And so, you know, there's a certain level of, like, they win if we don't go to that. And I I honestly think art reflects society more than society imitates Mm -hmm. art. Um, So I think that... And to bring it back to The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, to me that is kind of been the strength of these films, all all three of them, honestly, Mm -hmm. is that they reflect a real world that we kind of exist yeah. in where there's, there are terrorists and crazy people and things mm-hmm. that you can't explain. And honestly, you can't understand. Well, I, I would you say, know? yeah, to me, that's actually probably maybe the biggest strength of this movie is that despite the incredibly fantastic setting of it, you know, I mean, right. yeah, the Batman and Bane and everything, it closely identifies with, with reality and you actually are put into a position where you have to face reality through the movie a little bit. And I, I think that that is actually a strength of the filmmaking mm-hmm. and a strength of, of the storytelling in it. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe more than anything, I think it actually, you know, there's echoes of, of you know, Occupy Wall Street in this movie. There are echoes yeah. of, um, you know, the financial crisis going on. There are echoes of... of any number of news stories mm-hmm. about terrorism, about mm-hmm. um, you know, it, you you name it. If it's been in the yeah, news no, in the I last mean, few honestly, years, there's like echoes. The last, like the last ten years of 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 our society are kind of in these three films, and I've I've i always kind of marveled at that mm-hmm. when I watch these three films. It's kind of going, wow, this is surprisingly close to home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and if nothing else, this trilogy has has definitely created a set of um, very um, relevant mm-hmm. social commentary if nothing yeah. else you know it's um, something it's something very much i think people connect with and I, th- I think it's a conversation that's very important that that should not go away which is you know the violence in our media the violence that we glorify possibly you know or while i can't i don't i don't blame these movies or any movies really for existing and having violent content i think it's important for us to maybe recognize how some people do look at Bane, and they identify with him more than they identify with Batman, you know, or the Joker, or whoever. They look at some of these people, and you know, it's very possible that you know, and it probably not. I should probably say it's very likely that there are some people who get ideas from these and kind of go, "I'm going to do that. I want to be immortal in that way." I don't know. I mean, that terrifies me, and it's just like it really sucks. But it's like I think we do need to recognize that and be responsible with the stories that we tell, and you know, very purposefully choose the style in which we tell our stories and the you know and the content that we decide to include make sure that it is there for a purpose and maybe not just throw it in there to make it look sexy or cool or whatever Mm -hmm. because i do think there is a danger in some of that Mm -hmm. so there you go uh don't know if we actually just solved the world's problems there but uh (laughs) no no but um in any way you cut it it's definitely it is a tragedy and i don't think you can you know, look at this movie without thinking of that at least a little bit. And, um, you know, here at Movies You Should Love, our thoughts and prayers are definitely with Absolutely. those in Colorado right now. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, as, to, as to the movie, maybe let's get into that a little bit, because that was a bit of a weighty... <laughs> bit of a, bit, yeah, a bit weighty. Um, maybe the, the most the most natural segue is to kind of touch on some of the violence in this film. Mm-hmm. Um I remember people talking about The Dark Knight in this same way, but this movie, even more so, really blurs the line between PG-13 and R. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is a very... uh, If you thought Dark Knight was dark, this movie, I would say, is even darker. This is a very... This is a very brutal film. I mean, and I I kind of expected that a little bit, because that's kind of Bane's legacy in the comics, is that he's a very physical and violent character. I mean, he's the one most notably is responsible for breaking Batman's back. That's kind of his claim to fame. So going into this, I kind of expected that to see that, but even still, man, it kind of, 
while I like the movie and I like this world that Christopher Nolan has built, it kind of makes me a little bit sad that this is not a Batman I could ever share with a child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like even though there's certain very cool uh, themes and aspects to this film, um, it's just kind of like, man, this is this is a grown-up adult Batman that. On on that vein, I, just to any parents out there listening, please don't take your children to see movies that are not for them. There, uh, this is just a pet peeve, and I know this is a tangent. No, but in, in in our theater, there were at least a couple of parents who brought probably their, I don't know, two year old and maybe four year old to come mm-hmm. see this movie, and. You know, I, I'm going to be the first person to say that parents have, you know, the ability to choose entertainment Absolute for their children. Absolutely right to do that. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and, and that's fine. And, and every child is different and has their ability to handle things. Um, however, I don't actually know that I have ever met a two- or four-year-old for whom this movie was appropriate. No. And uh, even if there's someone who can, quote-unquote, handle it, there is so much disturbing imagery that... Yeah. I, you know, I, I can't imagine what that does to a four-year-old to see things that they truly should have no. At that point, the innocence that they should have should have no comprehension of the things. Well, in just this even movie. just just even the visage of Bane mm-hmm. is a terrifying, yeah, face to look at. Just even having that image in their head, I kind of go, I don't. Mm-hmm. Hmm, they and should so, know that yet. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, just something I did not enjoy was the sobbing of the children in the quiet moments in the movie. That was and just they something, were. and <laughs> they were. That's, so, and that's, and that's the thing. But, but see, even to me, like even taking a ten-year-old to this is like, I don't know, guys. I mean, I'm not going to tell you your ten-year-old can't, but maybe that you shouldn't. Yes. You know, it's so, it was so a just, very rough film yeah, for just, in, in that regard. In general, but those parents out there who, especially taking your really young kids to see movies they should not be seeing, please stop. It 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 is bad for them. It's bad for you, and it's bad for all the other moviegoers. It's just it's not a good thing. Yeah, it's not fun. I mean, yeah. It's... Okay. <laughs> Anyhow, um, sorry. Total tangent. All right. Let's. All right. The Dark Knight Rises proper. Um, to get to really to really get into this film, I'm gonna. I feel like I kind of need to touch on the previous two films because this mm-hmm. is a complete. This is like I said in the the first part of this podcast. There is basically one storyline going through all three films. Um, Batman Begins um, came out in I think it was 2005, and this was the beginning of this this trilogy. This you know, and it's not even a franchise at this point. You know, they're very clear in saying this is a trilogy that Christopher Nolan has done, and now the story is over. Um, yeah, well, we'll see. But, you know, this is a very specific story. And in that film, in Batman Begins, we meet Bruce Wayne. And what's really cool about Batman Begins, in my opinion, is that it, despite the fact that we've had a lot of Batman films, um, this was the first one actually about Bruce Wayne. And we kind of get to meet him. We get to understand why he's doing what he's doing. Uh, we follow him as he goes, and he trains under Ra's al Ghul and the League of Shadows. We we kind of find out why he left them and how he decides to create the Batman persona as a way to not only fight crime but also to terrorize other people into not go- getting into crime. He's his own kind of. He takes a terrorist philosophy and tries to turn it against the terrorists. Um, but the League of Shadows shows up at the end of Batman Begins, um, and we kind of learn that they are a terrorist organization that, as old as time immorium, and that they have really kind of been responsible for the fall of a lot of great empires, and that they have been trying to take out Gotham ever since Bruce was a boy, but Bruce's parents stopped League of Shadows, and so they're here to, they're here to cripple Gotham. Batman prevails, and uh, we have the beginning of Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dark Knight, um, if the first movie, Batman Begins, was about the origin of Batman, the second movie is about the the definition of Batman, and it kind of tests him, and it really shows like he, it's this order versus chaos, it's Batman versus the Joker, and the Joker is this personification of chaos throughout the film, and we find out really just how far Batman's willing to go. How far is Bruce Wayne willing to go? What line will he not cross? And we discover that he is basically not willing, A, to sacrifice his loved ones, and he's not willing to ever cross the line and kill other people. Um, that being said, he is totally willing to sacrifice himself, his money, his uh, his name, his, you know, his honor, all these things he's willing to throw out if he thinks it'll save people or save his city of Gotham. And in the end, he basically takes the fall and allows himself to be vilified as the killer of 
the district attorney because he believes that the district attorney, the the image, the public image of Harvey Dent was more important because it gave Gotham hope. And that's what Gotham needs mm-hmm. is hope. And that's something that Harvey Dent could provide that Batman could not in Bruce Wayne's opinion. And so he allows for everybody to think he's the one responsible for Harvey Dent's death, which leads us right into the third film. Um, eight years have passed, and basically we're kind of led to believe that crime is at all-time low, largely due to um, the Harvey Dent Act, which is something that we kind of basically get the impression that is an a, a, a bill that was passed eight years ago that basically has allowed for Gotham police to almost completely destroy organized crime in Gotham and has allowed them to keep certain people incarcerated that maybe would have been let back onto the streets without this act. And so Bruce Wynn has hung up the cape and cowl due to that and due to the death of Rachel, um, who was his childhood kind of friend and sweetheart. And basically, we understand that Bruce basically said, well, you know, I wore this cape and cowl to protect my loved ones. I'm not willing to sacrifice my loved ones, and it didn't protect her. So if it's not going to do any good, I'm done. I've done my part. Which is really interesting, because that is very unlike the Batman in the comics. A lot of people have died around Bruce in the comics, including partners and sidekicks, and he has continued on. And so this film, has this trilogy has really created a more emotionally vulnerable and fragile Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. than we've seen before in movies and comics, which I found fascinating. But um, what brings him back is really this attack by the League of Shadows. They return, um, th- despite the fact that we thought that they had been completely eradicated in the first film. They come back to destroy Bruce Wayne. And to destroy Bruce Wayne, they, are going, they go after his money, they go after his power, they go after his company, and then they go after his city. And they want to, watch, they want to destroy him in all those ways, and at that point, then they will kill him. Mm-hmm. And thus the fight begins. And that's basically the Dark Knight Rises in a nutshell. It's very convoluted. Um, and it is, I would definitely, I could definitely understand where it could definitely be a hard film to follow if you don't have the first two kind of fresh in your mind. Because there's a lot of references to things like the League of Shadows. It's like it's not a thing that you see in every single film. And they, there's a lot of new characters introduced in this film that. Are kind of we're kind of led to believe that have been there the whole time, or have been part of Bruce's life, maybe, maybe not. Um, and so, and they kind of threw you right into the deep end. I mean, this movie just kind of begins, and then just kind of runs. <laughs> it does kind of a uh, second act is a bit uh, soft, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah. So. Yeah. So um, maybe let me is coming in. Yeah, jump in. Yeah, because, you know, I know you have a lot more Batman background than I do. Um, You know, I know you've read comics. I know you've Mm -hmm. pretty much watched all the movies for a very long time. You've watched animated series, all of that kind of stuff, right? I'm I'm not... Yeah, okay. For me, I've seen, like, maybe two episodes of the animated series, two or three episodes. Um, I may have picked up one of your comic books at one point to read it. Um, a roommate who was Batman. Yeah, I had a roommate who was into it, so I, I yeah, I, I learned about that a little bit from him. Um, and I've seen most of the Batman movies at the some Tim point. Burton, the Tim Burton. Yeah, <laughs> there may there may actually be one of them that I d- I've never seen. I don't actually. I don't actually know well enough to know <laughs> that I've seen them all. You probably haven't missed much. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, so point being, you know, uh, I've I've enjoyed all of the Christopher Nolan movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that the first one was interesting, but kind of suffered from uh, I don't know I, the, the whole League of Shadows thing. Never really made much sense as an actual plot device to me. It just seemed kind of arbitrary and and kind of silly as a as an in game for a whole you know group of evil characters just to kind of bring down civilization. I don't know it. I, I, yeah, the way to me it was always a very it was a fantastic. When I say fantastic, I mean fantasy based. Yes, a fantastic terrorist organization. You know, yeah. it's like we're going to explore uh, Al Qaeda or something like that, but put it in this realm where you kind of go, mm-hmm. oh, so they they have this philosophy of equal, you know, trying to equalize the world and hold it back in certain ways and progress it in other ways, and to do that, sometimes a city must fall or a civilization must be 
eliminated. Yeah. Kind and, of interesting, but I do understand what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, to me, it's not even so much that idea that, that you, you have to adjust the world to be able to achieve your goals or whatever. It was almost more, I never quite understood why Gotham had to go. Maybe. I don't, I don't know that that case was ever made. I don't know why Gotham... Yeah. out of everything other than it's a symbol of stuff but at the same yeah. time i don't really know anyhow that's fair. I, you know at the same time i could see the parallels to al-qaeda and the attacks in 9-11 and you know all of that sure yeah. um so this movie really picks up that story in a lot of ways the middle movie is kind of a standalone adventure that has a little bit that it pulls from both and a little that feeds into this one but really it's you can kind of take it on its own and it's its own story about oh man it's it's a batman adventure it's it's so great it's like this Mm -hmm. big crime thriller drama that just and it's it's like the story of the american tragedy of harvey dent and it just happens to have batman in it it's a great film yeah so uh, yeah exactly um, and so this movie, it picks up those themes that the very first movie had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, for me, it was it was going back to territory that we had already kind of covered. That you weren't overly thrilled with. That I wasn't overly thrilled with yeah. the first time around. Yeah. So for me, that was that was some issue just right off the bat with the movie. Yeah. Um, off the bat. <laughs> I get it. Uh, it was so unintentional, but awesome. Um, um, hey, buns. Um, and then uh, it also happens that, like, the two two or three episodes of the uh, Batman animated mm-hmm. series that I ended up seeing were episodes that specifically dealt with Ra's al Ghul's daughter. Yes. And so the instant we met... The European the woman. The European <laughs> was woman... <interested> <laughs> in this movie and she was kind of like somehow working her way into the company i was like like i leaned over to my wife and i was like i think that's raz al ghul's daughter and she's going to be evil (laughs) i mean you know that was kind of my very first thought at that moment and it turned out to be completely true um Mm -hmm. and and they don't do a good job of hiding that at all in this movie Uh, if you know anything coming to someone who knows nothing basically i knew just enough that I mean, I got there the second I saw her. So I'm sure fans of the comics oh, and stuff yeah. kind of went, "Oh, look, that's her!" Kind of like the instant they saw her they, as well. Christopher I, Nolan, they did try to hide it with a different name. You mm-hmm. know, the Miranda Tate character is a completely new character, and even in the media, they're like, "Oh no, this is just a a love interest we're introducing." She was working at, at Wayne Enterprises, and even when we first heard that she was going to be in it, we go, "Oh, Talia, nice choice." Mm-hmm. <laughs> they go, "No, no, Miranda Tate." We're like, yeah, yeah, Talia, good choice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, you, that's kind of how this movie goes. Is is what I'm trying to say? Is this is this is kind of a, a subsystem of the way that the entire movie plays out? Is there's a lot of these things introduced that are kind of supposed to be a little bit subtly hidden, and yet it's all highly telegraphed. Um, So, on the one hand, it's incredibly good fan service. If you are a fan of Batman, you are going to love seeing that Talia shows up. And it's like, you know, it's fantastic. You know, um, if you, you know, loved... Uh, Catwoman, you're going to love like the instant you meet her. You're like, oh, Catwoman, obviously. Yeah. And it, obviously, that's not a surprise because their entire marketing campaign was, was like, Catwoman. Look, look, Catwoman. <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, not a surprise, but it's yeah. at the same time, you know exactly what you're in for with that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's uh, the the young policeman character. Very quickly, you know, there could have been a whole lot of ways they could have gone with that character. I really, he was my, honestly, and, jo- we're talking about Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah, Joseph Gordon Levitt. He was my favorite part of this film. He was honestly. great. <laughs> I, I'm not saying he wasn't great yeah. in it, but it became very evident very early on exactly where they were pushing him to go, yeah. I think. Like, yeah. um, you know, there's some plot twists in the movie, quote unquote, um, that they introduced very, very early on. Um, where uh, before the movie scott and i were talking about how um do you think batman will die at the end because that's been like people have been kind of whispering around because Mm -hmm. at one point uh christopher nolan or somebody on the cast or crew said only christopher nolan has seen the last 15 pages of the script nobody knows Mm -hmm. how this is going to end and immediately everybody went are they going to kill batman Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and we both i think agreed that that would be a really cool choice allow the franchise to reboot naturally on its own Mm -hmm. and would tell this one like big amazing kind of tragedy story of a hero who lives and dies for his principles mm-hmm. and hopefully inspires other people to fight mm-hmm. the cause. And, uh, anyhow, there, there was a lot that we liked and we could get into that with you if you want to on our website or something. That's not really my point here. Yeah. My point is, is that, 
about I don't know thirty about the time he comes back, mm-hmm. you know, and he's starting to meet up with Lucius Fox again. There's this point where they go and they find the bat helicopter or whatever it's yeah. ca- called. Oh, yeah, um, <laughs> and um, you know, there's there's a line where where Morgan Freeman says, you know, except the autopilot doesn't work yet, and you're the only one who can fix it, Mister Wayne, and. Um, you know, it's it's almost that line. It's not quite like that. It's a little more subtle. It's but, a little more, but it's it's that line basically. Yeah. And um, and then right before the big final battle, kind of, we kind of get this reminder that, oh yes, the autopilot isn't fixed yet, kind yeah. of thing. Um, and like, so I wonder if that will come into play. Yeah, and, and you know, the the minute you hear it early on in the movie, you're kind of like, oh gosh, I wonder if we'll find out about that autopilot later on. And of course the whole thing comes down to whether the autopilot is fixed and whether Batman will live or not because of the autopilot. And I really wish honestly that they, especially with the, I want to talk about the ending very specifically here in a little bit, but I really wish they just kind of dropped both of those references and kept the autopilot reveal till the end to the end. Because at that point it's just there just to kind of give you hope kind of a thing where the first two, parts when they first say it, you're like why are they talking about the autopilot yeah. i bet that's going to be a thing it's like it just it foreshadowed way too much mm-hmm. so th- that's kind of that's kind of my point with this movie is it was yeah. to me it's interesting and you know i liked a lot of the characters in it i liked a lot of the uh, uh you know a lot of the the way it was done and things but at the same time just at, at kind of a basic script level there was a lot of stuff that was very predictable very um you, you knew you knew exactly where it was heading pretty much the whole time. Um, yeah, and I, I can agree with that. And the, the only thing as you're going through it is, the only question I kept asking myself is, how far are they going to take this? Mm-hmm. What are they actually going to do? Um, I think I know all the beats along the way. I mean, as soon as they, you know, as soon as we find out that Wayne Enterprises is broke because they developed this amazing technology that Wayne refuses to use, mm-hmm. I was like, well, that seems interesting. And then we see the device. I go, oh, well, this is Act Three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. this strange device underneath the city that could possibly be turned into a bomb. And that's how you introduce it to us: is this great mm-hmm. device that could possibly turn, be turned into a bomb? And you're showing it to this woman who we already know is the bad guy, even though we don't know she's the bad guy right. yet. You know, ah, yeah, ah that, yes. I wonder. So, and you mentioned that there's flooding devices and things. I wonder if that will come back to haunt us. Exactly. So there was there were some things, and there was some that, and the, the moments that they would kind of stop all of the the whole movie to have a moment of exposition kind of bothered me. There was these moments where it's like, oh, I haven't told you the story about the thing I did. You know, you're like, oh, so we're going to hear that now. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that just it, it just like it was, it's a two hour and forty five minute film, and I, I feel like. Some people might be more, uh, m- not mean, but just like they might be uh, a little stricter with their editing. But I feel like a, a solid 15 minutes could have been cut. I would be okay with like a two and a half hour film, but I feel like there's just a lot of general tightening up of like scenes and mm-hmm. situations that could lead to a leaner. Mm-hmm. And this is coming from someone, uh, you know, I love long movies. I, oh, you know, yeah. I, if it's a movie I'm enjoying, I'll take an extra hour of it. Oh, please. absolutely. You know, please give it to me absolutely. if you've got it. And this movie for me, yeah, it was at, at least if I could maybe have even chopped out 25, That's 30 minutes. Um, yeah, I, I could imagine someone being able to take it down to two hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because for I me... Would, that, I wouldn't take out... For I'm just saying, like, even just keeping all the story elements that mm-hmm. are there, I think you could tighten up a lot of those scenes and be like, we're just mm-hmm. going to drop this, drop this, drop this. Yeah, yeah. I think just general tightening, you could have gotten rid of 10 or 15 minutes. And then for me, again, this is where I'm coming from. And, yeah. the, in, in, there's a point at which Batman, his back basically gets broken, yeah. and he is sent into the pit. Uh, if you've seen it, you'll know what we're talking about. If you haven't, why are you listening to all of these spoilers? We well, told I you would not do to. this to you, sir. Um, but yeah, he, he ends up in this pit, and there's kind of this whole disconnect that happened for me at this point in the movie. Because... Especially, especially when, from here up through the ending, where Talia's character was actually revealed to be the real bad guy of the movie, it makes to me it makes no sense. From a from the minute he is sent away from Gotham, yeah, to the point where he returns, and then we find out that Talia is you know, ultimately the villain's point point in this. The reason she has engineered all of this is specifically to get her vengeance. On Batman for killing her father, Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, that's it. That's that is the entire purpose of everything that happens in this movie. Mm-hmm. And 
the whole concept of engineering a giant nuclear weapon you know five months of of putting gotham into you know anarchy and sending batman into a into a pit prison where all he can do is watch on closed circuit tv but has the chance to heal up it, it like it makes no sense to me. There's there's no reason why any person would do this as their well, form of vengeance. Because they also are trying to reclaim again, going back to the Lake of Shadows, which I know you're not overly fond of, but basically to succeed where they failed in the past. We are going to take out Gotham and we want to show I in the way I read it is that they wanted to show Bruce that these people aren't worth fighting for, which is a theme that the Joker kind of also brought in near the end of the last film. That if you remove them from, you know, if you, you completely cut these people off, they will devour themselves. You know, it's like these people are animals, essentially. And so we want to show you that. We want to show you all all your good work. What you have done was for nothing. Look at what they do to, the, look what they do to each other, what, to themselves. Yeah. So Un- Unfortunately for me, no, uh, this is just for me. Totally understand. Is, I, yeah. I feel like they could have done that better, though. Because yeah. well, to me, like, the film I kind of wanted to see from what I saw in the trailers, what I expected... I would have loved for the initial attack to take place in the mansion in that first scene. You know what I mean? Like, because we see that there's like this party at the mansion at the very beginning and Catwoman is there and she steals some pearls. But from the way the trailers were cut together, I really thought this was going to be a, a revolution in Gotham. I really kind of thought of it as a class warfare, which I was really excited to see, not because that's what I personally politically believe, but I thought it would be a fascinating film if the people basically rose up and attacked the rich, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and the way Selena Kyle was kind of cut in the trailers I kind of thought she was going to be like the leader of this revolution, more or less. And so I, I would have loved to, in the first 15 minutes, you have like Wayne Manor is like, is being completely attacked and ransacked and all these rich people are being taken hostage or killed or whatever. And Bruce tries to fight back, but Bane shows up and breaks the bat. And then he is mm-hmm. stuck either in Wayne Mansion or somewhere there in Gotham and watches as his city crumbles around him and then has to fight back. To me, that's what I thought the movie was going to kind of be. And so I feel like if you had done that earlier in the film and made the film about the return of Batman, it would have been more interesting as opposed to like, here's Batman, things are happening, and now we're going to take the hero out of his city, <laughs> across the world, throw him in a pit, so that he can connect with the villain who's back in Gotham, and he can heal and come back to Gotham. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and jumping back to what you were saying earlier on about kind of this whole, you know, the city not being worth it and the people, you know, mm-hmm. being e- a major flaw with that whole system that has never worked for me, and mm-hmm. this, you know, in, even in the first movie, is that it was never the people of Gotham that mm-hmm. were doing that. It was always the released prisoners. It was right. always the, you know, it's always the criminal element that everybody obviously already knows is bad. Yeah, like they're locked away. Crime is down. Things are good in Gotham. The people obviously aren't bad, and so it's very clear that. You know they aren't bad until the criminals force them into that, and so it like that whole concept just doesn't work for me, the way it is portrayed in the movie. I can see that, but, and because they, they the, do they had they, in the first movie they did try to show that the Gotham PD were corrupt and like Gordon was the only good cop. Mm-hmm. But, but by, by the third movie, by the third movie, everything's fine. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's you kind of don't like Matthew Modine because he doesn't like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but. Honestly, he's like one jerk, and you're and kind of like, well, he's not a bad guy; he's just a jerk. <laughs> he's just try- he's just trying to make a career out of capturing Batman, which yeah. he should because Batman at this point has been vilified for eight years, and exactly. so obviously he that's he should be, even yeah. though we know the true story. Exactly, yeah, that's all you yeah. know. And he's, I don't know, it's 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 a very hard thing, and because you have to have so much connection to that first movie, yeah, that also is a bit of a struggle for me because then you're pulling all of this information that most people aren't going to be bringing into the movie with them. It, it did... Rem- I completely agree. I, I would just add that at the be- uh, about a week or two before this film came out, uh, Christopher Nolan said one of his big inspirations behind this movie was A Tale of Two Cities. Mm-hmm. And the, honestly, the, the piece of literature this reminded me most of was um, Count of Monte Cristo, especially yeah. once he's in the prison and he's talking to the old man and he's trying to figure out how to escape. It did kind of harken back to some of those classic pieces of literature Mm -hmm. that being said i do feel like it did kind of 
mm-hmm. bogged down. And it, and it has this really weird time frame where it's like, and now five months will pass <laughs> before the bomb goes off. So he has plenty of time to heal. Um, but it, that five months also leads to a couple problematic things for me. Uh, namely, that um, there's this really great haha comedy line where it's like, oh, I need to go get the bat copter. Do you remember where you parked it? Cut to huge bat copter sitting on top of a <laughs> on top of a building yeah. with a canvas over it that is not invisible. That means that clearly you can see this. And I'm like, nobody discovered that for five months. It yeah. sat up there for five months. The, yeah, the, the whole timeline, <laughs> because they gave so much time for it, it's not like there were 72 hours to figure something out in. Yeah. It, it, there were several things like that. Like, really, no one in the government anywhere could figure out how to send in a SEAL team or something yeah. to take out the bomb. Nobody could, you know, like, like really, there's nobody, you know. Uh, I, I I, it, just, it just it doesn't make it. I couldn't make that leap of logic to realize that even when they showed that there was a team going in to do recon, yeah. just knowing how good satellites are today and how, you know, it just seems like... They really should have been able to do and something. That's, that's the weird thing. It's one of those things that I talk about sometimes. I say when things suffer from too much and not enough. Yeah. It's like it suffered from too much of these kind of moments and not enough extra details. It's like I would have, I can, I can, un, I will get on board with your five month uh, mm-hmm. window if you kind of shows a little bit more of that. Show how all of these different types of attempts fail how it is impossible to get across you mm-hmm. know because you know i can't really imagine the american government would be like well they said they had this thing we're going to take them at their word <laughs> you mm-hmm. know it's like show them trying it you know and let mm-hmm. and testing those fences and how they those things fail also show how batman gets back into the island since he clearly walks in <laughs> from afghanistan or wherever yeah. he was like yeah uh, you know how did he travel with no passport no money nothing uh from afghanistan all like- the way back to gotham I feel in that, whatever frame of time he had, he still had to do it within like a week or something to get back there. Well, and that's the other thing that, and and also the villain. <laughs> I just went, made a head explosion. Yeah, the, uh, the villain thing. also left Gotham, took him there, and then returned. Right, you know, in all that same time, and so and, and his plane obviously it, wasn't shot down or anything. Right, that or like, and like, kinda, how did this happen? I feel like there could have, and at least Bruce Wayne returning could have been done in two shots. It could have been like mm-hmm. him walking out of the pit and then going to, well, of course I have a bat cave in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, Oh, okay. He has that thing. And then we see him coming up out of the water, you yeah. know, or whatever. And, and like, if he can get on the Island again, why can't a seal team? Right. You know, there's kind of just that. Cause he's Batman, Lauren. He's Batman. I'm just saying there's, no, there's that, to, that's to kind me, of there's an obvious, you need, you need to explain why he can, but somebody else can't. Exactly. You, you need that. Um, so there's there's that for me, and and the biggest problem that I have in this whole sequence, mm-hmm. because it does feel very Count of Monte Cristo, mm-hmm. but in Count of Monte Cristo, it all happens you know in the first thirty minutes of the movie, well, exactly, and this happens like two thirds of the way down, and so by this point, this whole thing like where he's trying to escape from the pit. And then he falls, and then Bane does something evil in the town, and then he tries to escape, and he falls, and Bane does something evil in the town, yeah. and you know it keeps it happens like three or four times, and it's a lot of violence, it's a lot of stuff, and by this point we already know how bad Bane is. We don't need to see another atrocity that they're doing. We don't, you know, we don't have to see the executions on the. I mean, it's nice seeing. Um, oh, uh, what's his name? The the scarecrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, doing his judging thing. You know, oh, that's, have, a, that's a nice little fan service kind of thing again. And speaking of fan service, I have to go on a, off on a tangent on that scene because there was after Heath Ledger passed away, Christopher Nolan commented that originally his plan was to bring him back in the third film, and I kind of went, I wonder what role he would have played. I would have loved to have seen him as the judge. You know, like I don't know what the Joker would have done in this third movie, but it's a lot of. I can really imagine him enjoying the anarchy and the chaos mm-hmm. that this film is. And I would have loved to have seen him just weaving his way in and out of the scenes with no purpose to the story, but just to be there <laughs> to... Uh, to so it, anarchy. To so of. anarchy. And especially in that judge's chamber. I could just imagine everybody standing in front of the Joker behind the podium. <laughs> and I think that kind of would have been phenomenal. That being said, I did enjoy seeing the Scarecrow come back. Yeah. Um, but, man, so, I miss Heath Ledger. <laughs> yeah. So, anyhow, I don't know. To me, it's... That whole sequence is too long, too much. We don't need the character development of Bane. The character development for you know Bruce Wayne seems a little too late, you know, too much, too late, mm-hmm. too little, whatever. I don't know. It just that whole thing kind of fell flat for me, and so the the th- it just dragged the movie down. It was 
you know, probably 30 minutes too long because of the inclusion of that. I kind of feel you could have cut that whole thing, had about two minutes of scenes that could have explained how you got from one place to the other, and still had the impact that the movie would have had. Yeah, um, yeah it's like I kind of, I, I, I kind of have to agree. I mean, I did, and as a fan, though, as a fan, I really like the whole thing. It's like, I like those moments because I do like that exploration of Bruce Wayne's character, that how broken he can be and how basically this iron will of his makes him come back that he refuses to give up i do really like that but from a filmmaking from a filmmaker's perspective and as a storyteller i kind of went what you could have done all of that what if instead of the pit and this anonymous monk person in the other cell what if he was in the bat cave with alfred Mm -hmm. you know and we get to see it maybe we could explore bruce's we could explore Bruce's character a, a little bit through a flashback or something, and you have Alfred fixing him and helping mm-hmm. him back on his feet. I think that could have been really cool because that, that's the other scene that kind of uh, broke my heart and was also another uh, divergence from the comics, the source material, which is that Alfred leaves Bruce. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes, I can't do this, which I think is really a cool scene because, again, it, it leads a. Uh, a reality to this whole situation where someone goes, I can't just sit here and watch you destroy yourself in whatever situation that might be. And I think that is something people can relate to, whether it's someone making poor choices with, you know, drugs and alcohol or just a lifestyle that he's like, I can't keep doing this with you. You're going to die. And I just can't, I can't do that. I can't be a party to it. I can't be a party to that. Yeah. And so I think it would have been neat if he had come back in that moment, had found Bruce at the bottom of the pit of Bruce mm-hmm. of Wayne Manor. You know? Well, especially considering the how the Bane and Talia story ends up working out, it could have been really neat if Batman had had a protector in the pit almost, you know? Or, exactly. Yeah. Like I don't know. There's something, something there's something that could, could have been could, nice some, there. Some interesting parallels could have been made in a different way. Yeah. Um, um you know, and that said also going back to to the Alfred scene you know, where he's talking about getting a drink and everything. That was really early on in the movie. Yeah. And when it happened and they showed the flashback, if they hadn't shown the flashback, I could have... It might have been, been a little it might less... Have, it might have just... Gone, but they showed, like, this flashback to him doing this. And as soon as they did it, it's like, well, obviously we know how the movie ends now, you yeah. know? It, technically, it could go either way. We could see the scene basically again, and Alfred's sad, or we're going to see it again, and Batman will be there as Honest, well. There was, a, there was a brief moment I thought they were going to Inception us. Yeah. You know, where he looks up, and he kind of smiles, or he kind of looks up at the camera. Cut to black. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm like, oh! Spinning top, what? Does he see yeah. him? You know, speculate. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, overall, um, I want to kind of just wrap this up before we get into the actual conclusion, which mm-hmm. is actually part of the place where I had maybe the most problem mm-hmm. because I really generally I enjoyed this whole thing I, I have to touch on Anne Hathaway I thought she was phenomenal as Catwoman I really mm-hmm. did enjoy what she brought to the character and to the story I thought mm-hmm. she did a really great job yeah. um, uh, can I can I just say yeah. I know I'm coming across as a negative Nancy on all of this <laughs> which negative Nancy where did that come from anyhow whatever yeah so I I don't mean to because (laughs) at the end of the day I'm actually going to say that I like this movie um but but my only issue with Catwoman Mm -hmm. is that there's kind of this whole concept of Batman trying to redeem her through the whole movie and I never really felt she needed redeeming or that she was actually bad yes and I always I I never had I never had any doubt that she would come back at the end and help him yeah, and that's that, and that is part of my problem with the the conclusion of this film, um, which I'll touch on here in just a second. Because, you, but you're right, and that's mm-hmm. also that's, and I think that was there because that's part of the source material. Is this mm-hmm. she's a thief, but she also likes Batman. So sometimes she's a good guy fighting, and no, she's uh, trying to stop injustice in the slums and sometimes but to do that sometimes she has to steal this thing to pay for that other thing that she's doing Mm -hmm. and so she kind of walks that moral line and so yeah they try to make her just a little bit edgier or more negative than batman you know he does like no guns you know we never Mm -hmm. don't do that or whatever you kind of go okay (laughs) you know yeah um but i really i really did like her some of the other she was really good uh, and some really fun scenes i really love the scene in the the restaurant at the beginning where she's 
just the the acting having fun of like you know when the police come in she's screaming 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 and then they walk by and she's like okay i'm out of here <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. i just i enjoy scenes like that i thought that was fun joseph gordon levitt i think honestly was my favorite part of this film i just he was great i just got on board with him instantly like i like this guy i hope he i hope he doesn't die in this film gary oldman is awesome still as uh, commissioner gordon i thought he was great um, Tom Hardy as Bane, I thought, worked really well, even though his voice was a bit Sean Connery as Darth Vader. I, I really it was. That was a little funny. I'm like, Sean Connery oh, doing Darth Vader. I've never heard this before, but I kind of like it. I want a martini shaken, not stirred, and then you can die. Yeah. It, was, it, it worked, though. It, it, it really, it, it, Honestly, he was he was very terrifying. I thought he was... A, he was. He was he was a legitimate threat. He mm-hmm. didn't quite grab me emotionally the way the Joker did, but he really did work. And because yeah. he Batman hasn't had such a physical threat in these movies. The Joker never was. He was more of a I'm getting inside your mind and messing with it kind of a villain. Mm-hmm. Bane worked well. And I and I, I I kind of wish they had pushed a little bit more of the like I said earlier, some of the class and the the wealth mm-hmm. of the, the crippling of society. I wish it pushed just a little bit more, but whatever. My biggest problem, honestly, is the last 10 minutes, because to me, the last 10 minutes of the film just, like, leaps straight into fan service. Um, because you've, I've, to me, up to that point, you had a really strong film, and then, okay, you guys, Batman is, t- is flying the atomic bomb, which we've been told has a six-mile blast radius. He decides he's just going to take it, and he's going to fly it into the ocean, um, which is really cool. Um, and at that point, I kind of go, oh, guys, I think they're going to kill Batman. I think he's going to die. And then I kind of went, this isn't how Batman should die. He shouldn't die in an airplane flying an atomic bomb over the ocean. He needs to die at Wayne Manor, or he needs to die in the gutter of the, in the street somewhere, or in the arms of, a, of Alfred. Mm-hmm. And then the atomic bomb goes off, and we discover later, oh, the autopilot worked. But the last time we saw him is in the plane. And so it's like, well, when did he bail? Because we, because we find out that not only did the atomic, not only did the uh, autopilot work, we cut to that scene in Venice or wherever it is, mm-hmm. and he's sitting at a table with Selena Kyle, and we go, he did live, awesome. How did he get out? How did he get out six miles before the blast radius? How did he not just die from the hot particles and the the toxins and the radiation? Mm-hmm. You know why he survived? Because he's Batman. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and like even the city, you're kind of like, yes, they got. They got it six miles away. Six miles. Stuff can still blow. I mean, you know, like there's still radiation. I don't know. Like, yeah. So to me, that was a little bothersome. And then, um, then you have Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who up to this whole point, you go, oh, they're kind of hinting that he might become a vigilante himself. You even have a fight scene where Batman's like, if you're going to do this, get a mask. And you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's that's a nice touch to the future. And they go, oh, your name's not on this. He goes, oh, use my proper name. It's Robin. You go, really, guys? You didn't have to do that for me. You know, I know you do that for me, the fan, but you really didn't have to. We, we already got it. You know, you've created a new character. That's fine. And even in the comics, there's no character There's no character whose name is Robin. That's his persona. So it's like you're still doing your own thing, but you don't have to do that for me. And then the, the last scene with him with Selena Kyle, he's with Selena Kyle because that's what the fans want. <laughs> you know, it's like at that point, it's like he has so little of a relationship with Selena that it makes like almost zero sense for them to abscond away together. Like it would almost make more sense for him to be sitting at the table with Commissioner Gordon. You know, you're like, yeah, you know, it's like, I don't, I, I love that. It was beautifully shot. And I really like it as a fan. I go, oh, yay, they're going to go live a life, you know, a clean slate for both of them. Awesome. Hmm. You know, but as far as the, the story of the movie goes, there's really no, re- I, it, it didn't feel believable. It's like, it really seemed like, the last scene of we really should have seen selena getting on a train or on a plane with her blonde friend whoever that was and going off to another city to start a, mm-hmm. a new life we're gonna go off to metropolis it's better there or mm-hmm. you know something you know and that could have been a, its own little fan service into their story without like and now they're gonna hook up because you know, they should they're batman and catwoman you know mm-hmm. yeah so some of those like kind of conclusions and those wrap-ups that being said i love 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 loved joseph gordon levitt's final sequence where he discovers a new bat cave and the you know that to me totally worked and that's really the ending i kind of wanted except i kind of wanted batman to die i kind of wanted bruce 
to give his life because I feel like that would have been more honest to the story that we've been going through for these past three films. Mm-hmm. And there was so much foreshadowing in this three, this third one that he might die. People kept kind of saying, hey, you might die, <laughs> you know, that I kind of was like, I kind of want him to do that. I don't know. I know that might be way too much. You might not ever be able to make a movie where Batman actually dies. And I don't want Batman to die. I like Batman, but for this... Well, it's, it's, uh, the thing is, is like I think they could have made it where Batman maybe lives on in in Robin, you know, and he could take on as Batman. He doesn't have to go and become the Robin character. He could become Batman. Exactly. But I think Bruce Wayne could die. Since this has been Bruce Wayne's story, that's it could be that I, Bruce Wayne really, dies I, at the that's end. That's what I wanted. That's, I, that's what I told you at supper. Like, I kind of mm-hmm. hope that this is kind of what happens and that the the Batman that has been created, this visage, this image, this terrifying creature of the night will always protect Gotham. It might be a different man under the cowl. You know, he might mm-hmm. have different styles through the years, but he will never die, you know, and he lives on into the future or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think that would have been really cool. And that's essentially what we're given, except Bruce lives, which yeah. is, which is fine. I'm not really complaining. Um, one thing I should probably complain about, actually, something Kelly wants to complain about through me, <laughs> is she felt like this film was a bit sexist. Um, not with the portrayal of Catwoman. She really liked Anne Hathaway and liked the character. Um, she found it incredibly unbelievable, and I have to agree, it just didn't bother me. Um, she found it incredibly unbelievable that you had 3,000 police officers you get together any group of 3,000 police officers and there's not a single woman amongst them. Which I I can totally understand it being problematic. You know, you kind of go, that is a bit weird, <laughs> you know. I don't know if that was a a decision made by the filmmakers because they were trying to avoid the R, because they were afraid that violence against women might push them over the edge. Or I don't know if Christopher Nolan is a sexist. I don't know. <laughs> you know, but it, it's a little weird. But I mean... You do have two very strong uh, female characters in this movie. Um, there's just not really a lot of females in the background. Mm-hmm. Just kind of interesting or weird. I don't know. Yeah. So, um, I think that covers it. I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> getting, getting, getting to our, our verdict on it, I guess. Um, you know, for me, I like the movie a lot. I, you know, all, all of my nitpicking aside, you know, I have... I have lots of little issues with it. I have some issues with the scripting. I have some issues with the editing. Uh, I don't really have issues with specific like action sequences or anything. You know, it's it's overall it works really well as a movie, and I actually enjoyed it. I just um, uh, for me uh, for me it's a movie I like enough that I wish it had been better. Is I think maybe my my biggest thing that I can say about it is that is that. This is the way that I want superheroes to be is kind of this style of movie and and I wish that a little bit more had gone into it to take it to a place where I was actually fully there with it as opposed to mostly there with it. And I think that's the thing that actually detracts the most from the movie for me is just that I couldn't make that extra leap to go the rest of the way. That's totally because because so many superhero movies I don't I don't connect to at all. Yeah. And so you know, uh, mad props to Christopher Nolan for doing something this good for me. I think is is maybe the best I can say about it. Yeah. Um Man. It's it's yeah. a smart movie. It's yeah. it's really smart. I love how smart these movies are yeah. and how much they make you think. There's a testament to it that we've been able to talk for, you know, 45 minutes or whatever this has been mm-hmm. about just the little things that are wrong with it because because there's that much type of thing to actually digest in it and things. So it's Yeah, I uh I immensely enjoyed myself and I I was sitting next to two comic book fans in the theater as well and they were just like oh 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 through the whole film because there, there are some really cool sequences there's some really awesome moments um there's a really interesting kind of one scene i almost i want to talk about before in my wrap-up is and it, it contributes to this larger discussion which is the the filmmakers even seem to ask you the question if vi- if a vigilante is a good thing the very first time batman returns in a fight sequence he actually his involvement allows for bane to escape 
and it's because he gets involved and all the police start chasing him instead of ba- instead of Bane and it was such an interesting sequence because I mean it was a great cool sequence because he's got like this he's on his bat cycle the bat pod and he's got some kind of EMP thing in his bats in the in the pod so every time he drives by a, a car it shuts down momentarily and the lights turn off and it's like it is really cool but then like the police officers go, oh, it's Batman. We should get him. Forget the guy on the motorcycle. Get Batman. And you kind of go, if you hadn't gotten involved, they might have stopped Bane that night. Right after, you know, the people at the stock exchange would have died, but nobody else would have. That's really an interesting way to undercut this entire movie. You know, it's something I could see where some people might not notice that. Or they, other filmmakers, I don't think, would even include that because it does kind of, I don't know, kind of almost depower or demystifies the character a little bit and I thought that was really just fascinating um, the whole movie I, w- I really did enjoy it. I know it sounded like we kind of nitpicked or kind of de- destroyed the film as we kind of went through it but honestly um, I want more adaptations like this mm-hmm. um, which because this movie what's so interesting to me about all three of these movies is that they somehow managed to be exactly like the comics and also nothing like the comics Mm-hmm. Because Christopher Nolan has kind of created this world and said, this is the kind of the Gotham City I want to explore. This is the world I want to explore. And then he takes these characters and fits them into that. And to sometimes to do that, certain parts of their characteristics have to be removed. He, and in doing to do that, he boils them down to their core essence. And so you get a Batman you completely recognize, except all of a sudden you realize the Batman from the comics also hangs out with aliens in a, in a tower above the earth, you know, and fights intergalactic creatures. It's really hard to imagine this Batman being part of the justice league. He, it just, it's incompatible, mm-hmm. but yet it is, it is exactly the Batman, you know, from the cartoons and the comics. Um, likewise for all the other characters, this Joker would never team up with Lex Luthor and get into a huge mechanical robot to swat Superman out of the sky. But this Joker is the Joker. This is that guy. And same with Bane and same with Talia and all these mm-hmm. characters. They are exactly the same while being really completely removed from the comics. And I would like to see that more, especially with comic books, because comic books have these huge 50, 70 year long storylines going that make them almost impossible to adapt. So boil it down, break it down, give us the spirit, just like these movies I really think have. So I enjoyed it. There were some, like I said, these little moments here and there that kind of took me out of the film every once in a while, or parts I wish were a little bit stronger. But overall, it's like, this is a worthy conclusion to this story, and I think he's created a very fascinating trilogy, and I'm probably going to go see this third one again in the theater, probably catch a matinee at some point, or at least a $2 <laughs> movie of it, because I enjoyed it, and there, it's it gets so convoluted sometimes, it's so exposition heavy sometimes, I feel like there's still details that I probably completely missed. Hmm. Yeah. So, there you go. Batman uh, Rise of the Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Yes, there we go. Sorry, I was about to say like half a dozen of the other different titles of the different Batman movies. Anyhow, um, probably still in my mind about the second best Batman movie maybe ever made. Maybe third. Maybe that original Tim Burton one is that's that's pretty darn good. Still, I would say I like that one quite a bit. But anyhow. Um, there's, there's some good in that movie. Yeah. So anyhow, let us know what you think. Uh, Please comment on how Batman hates guns, but arms all of his vehicles with high explosives and machine guns. <laughs> Why does he do that? And because he never misses, Lauren. He's Batman. <laughs> that's right. Because Catwoman can use them. Um, <laughs> Is a lot. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, let us know what you thought of the movie, what you think of us, why I am obviously wrong about everything. Um, <laughs> at our website, moviesyoushouldlove.com, on our Twitter, uh, Movies You Should, or on our Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Movies You Should. Absolutely. Please come by the website, especially, because I'm creating a little list here. If, if you like this movie, I'm going to give you a, a, a list of source material that you might also enjoy, and some other suggestions, and some other media that kind of goes along with this conversation discussion we've been having. So please come check us out. Tell us what you think. Share with us what you have. Indeed. And we will see you next time on Movies You Should Love. Indeed. You've been listening to the Movies You Should Love podcast. Join in the conversation at moviesyoushouldlove.com. 